All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Crypto 101 podcast. It is I, your host, Pizza Mind here, and I'm joined today by the VP of Engineering over at Coinbase. That's right. The one and only Coinbase, uh, Will Robinson. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk about all the amazing updates that are coming out over there. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Doing well. It's a pleasure. So, Right now, Coinbase uh, is really the talk of everything. I mean, there's so many things going on between Brian Armstrong and the SEC and stuff. Uh, All kinds of dark clouds hanging over crypto and banks and stuff. But we're going to keep things positive and ignore all that because underneath all those clouds, there are some amazing seeds that are sprouting right now, especially over at Coinbase specifically. So let's talk about some of these major updates that are not just changing for not just changing the company, but changing the industry as you guys continue to be leaders, uh, even 10 years after you began. So, but before we get into that stuff, let's get an idea of your background first. Give us the, the high level story of Will Robinson and how you got into crypto and to become the VP of engineering over at Coinbase. Sure thing. So, um, thanks again for having me. I, uh, came up as an honest engineer and then engineering leader, spent a lot of time at Google and at Alphabet uh, and a bit of time at an AI startup before joining Coinbase in late 2021. Um, and, you know, for a couple of years before I joined Coinbase, I would say crypto was my secret hobby. Uh, my, just my poor, long suffering wife was the only one who got all this stuff for me. I wasn't that guy at parties, but I was just increasingly, increasingly fascinated by the space. Um, and when I was looking for my next thing and I, I knew a few people at Coinbase, um, and they, they bent my ear very quickly and, um, the opportunity to work in an area that had been my all consuming hobby for a couple of years, uh, and also reach the billions of people. I think Coinbase is ultimately able to reach was just too good to pass up my particular role here at Coinbase. I'm the VP of engineering in charge of our developer product group and our developer product group focuses on products for developers building on chain. And we also run a bunch of our internal infrastructure for managing keys and managing wallets and things like that. That's awesome. So you're a man who could literally go anywhere and do anything in the world with your experience. What was it about the crypto industry that made you decide that this was the emerging niche you really wanted to be part of? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I would answer like this. My children are growing up in an increasingly digital world just as I grew up much more digitally than my parents. And I think this trend is going to continue. And given this trend, I I honestly believe that there is a moral imperative to create the conditions for people to grow into being digital citizens and not just digital consumers. Right now, uh, for most people out there without crypto or before crypto, you've got a choice of five Disneylands. There's the Google Disneyland, the Facebook Disneyland, the TikTok Disneyland, and so forth. Nothing against any of those companies. Um, and this is so pervasive that we don't even think twice about it, but in the real world, Disneyland's a great place to visit for a day or two, but I wouldn't live my life there. I wouldn't try to start a business inside Disneyland. I wouldn't raise my kids there. And as soon as you touch crypto and really experience what it is to own something digitally, to be free to innovate and compose, partner, invest, um, on digital rails, once you've, once you've felt that in your bones and you see that this is the fundamental technological unlock that will allow us to bring society onto digital rails, not just consumer society, but society. For me, at least, 
it, it becomes hard to imagine working on anything else. Once you, once you've got that in your sights, there's nothing more compelling or important. I, I truly believe that. That's an amazing answer. Uh, and I really love, you know, the, the heart that you put into that, you know, building a better world for your children uh, is really what a parent's job is. And so often we lose sight of things of what really matters in the tech space uh, just because we're either playing around with things or we're thinking, you know, oh, this is cool or this is fun. But what world are we really building here? And I couldn't be a Disney guy, but I really love the idea of the magic mountain of Web3 that is coming together right now. So (laughs) over there, you're building some pretty cool stuff to unite as many different parts of the Web3 space together. One of them is Rosetta API. And that's something that pretty much every project that integrates into Coinbase has to start with. So let's start the conversation there. What is Rosetta API and why is that so important to Web3? Yeah, so the Rosetta API is a little bit inside baseball, um, but it is for asset issuers, so people who are creating a new blockchain in most cases, to express to Coinbase and others using the Rosetta API in a uniform way, here's how my blockchain works, here's how you interact with it, here's how blocks are produced, here's how you can sort of safely and soundly make understand this blockchain, know what balances are, know when things have been spent and haven't been spent. And this kind of common layer then allows Coinbase or other exchanges or entities using the Rosetta API to um, integrate with that blockchain and bring it into their platform, into like the Coinbase exchange in our case. Which is an amazing development. And I'm so grateful that this standard is now being forced uh, because without it, Literally every exchange and wallet has to integrate a unique system for just about everything that's not built on Ethereum. And the engineering costs and headaches of doing all this stuff in 2017 and 18 was just astronomical. Uh, So this was a great thing to really take the industry by the back of the collar and drag them (laughs) forward. So very, very grateful for what you guys have built over there. But that wasn't enough. Recently, you've decided to build and launch something called Base. And Base is a layer two that is also sitting on top of Optimism, which is a layer two, which is sitting on top of Ethereum, which is a layer one. And at this point, everyone's just confused going, what in the world is this thing? Give us the high level. Just what is Base and how do people use this? Absolutely. So let me start with the vision and I'll get to some of the technical details you mentioned as well uh, along the way. So at the end of the day, we believe that we are entering and need to accelerate the world into the utility phase of crypto. Um, it's, it's wonderful that people have easy ways like on Coinbase to enter the crypto economy, buy, sell and trade assets, speculate on their future value. That, that's, that's an important step along this path. But the final destination has always been people using crypto in their daily lives. And as we looked at the world in 2023, we believed we had a unique role to play in trying to accelerate the world on that path. And by creating base, we hope to create a chain and believe we can create a chain that is the safest, most trusted, easiest to use for both developers building their dApps and end users, whether they're uh, crypto pros who have been doing this for years or novices going on chain for the first time to play with DeFi, to play with NFTs, to interact with their favorite Web3 or crypto-enabled games. Um, and that, that is the fundamental vision for BASE. For developers, we are 
Um, we offer a unique distribution opportunity. We've got a bunch of users who are crypto curious on our platform where we've, we, we've um, got an interaction with them. We've got a trust relationship with them and we can start to steer them toward things that they might be interested in. Um, and for the end users, we provide a stack with the safety and trust that they've invested in Coinbase to say, well, I've heard about this on-chain thing, but I'm not sure where to get started. And we can provide that sort of easy paved road on-ramp. The last thing that I'll mention on the vision before I get to some of the technical details is one critical thing is we view base not as an island, but as a bridge. So we, we hope that a lot of people will use it for many, many things, and it'll be a great on-ramp for millions of people to touch the real on-chain crypto economy for the first time. But from there, we, we expect and hope that people will get interested in other chains and other projects and things that have no business relationship with Coinbase at all. And that rising tide um, is great for the world in the sort of highest calling fundamental way that I mentioned up front. And it's also, frankly, great for Coinbase's business. As more people get on chain, this, this is great for us as well, just in general. On the technical details, you mentioned optimism, the relationship there. One thing I think is really critical to distinguish is we are using the OP stack. So this is the software, open source um, software that the Optimism Labs team has developed and continues to develop. We've joined as the second core contributor to that stack. And we're using that stack, that software stack, to power the base L2. But the base L2 settles directly to Ethereum L1, just in the same way that Optimism Mainnet or Arbitrum Mainnet or many other L2s settle directly to Ethereum L1. So we're using the same software stack and contributing a lot back to that stack over time, um, but we're not an L3 stacked on top of them in terms of settlement. Okay, that makes a lot of sense now. appreciate you clearing that up. Uh, I was really, when people are saying base is using optimism, uh, that's the common misunderstanding. It's like, is this an L3? What, what's happening here? Why do they do it that way? Well, they didn't. They, they did it the recognizable way. So we can think of base as another, I guess you could either call it competitor or co-creator like Arbitrum, like Optimism, like Scale Labs, like Polygon. It's in that family. Is that right? Um, yes, I, I think that's that's roughly the right way to think about it. But with, with the additional sort of nuance that um, we're, we're fairly arm in arm with the Optimism team. We're, we're not a competitor with them. We were partnering with them, contributing back to this stack. And, and I believe very, very well aligned with the Optimism team's vision of a super chain of a number of L2s, perhaps many of them using the OP stack, perhaps expanding beyond the OP stack, that all ultimately collaborate and interoperate very well. And that's that's a vision that I think is great for the world and, and great for Coinbase over time also. That's really cool. How is it relating to an open source project like the OP stack as opposed to working all internal like you would have over at Google or some of your past employers? Yeah. So, you know, I think that this this is a really great part of working in this industry, honestly. Like there is a um, there's a lot of PVP. Right. There's there, you could find everything in this industry. But one thing that you also find is a lot of non zero sum thinking, a lot of emphasis on investing in public goods, not just as a charitable endeavor or because it feels good or it's part of a triple bottom line mission. Those things are all great, but also saying investing and reinvesting in this public good is going to ultimately help all of us who have a commercial interest in this space, as well as end users. And it is a positive sum game in aggregate, at least at this sort of current 
hopeful hyper growth phase. Um, and my, my crystal ball doesn't extend out 10 or 15 years, but for where we are right now, the main goal and the main focus is let's get a hundred million people online on, on web three. Let's get a billion people on web three and all of us coming together to accelerate along that macro roadmap really is good for each of us individually as well. So that collaboration, that partnership has been wonderful so far. You know, it's always, um, the details really matter. Um, but I, I think that it's been fantastic and, um, with a very bright future. Now that the crypto and web three space is, you know, arguably 15 years old now, you know, give or take whatever you want to call the starting point of it. Um, one thing that's become very clear, user adoption is extremely difficult. Even though we have the smartest people in the world working in this industry now, it's still been very, very difficult to get the users to come over here. So it seems like the right approach now is to take this technology and go where the users already are. And Coinbase is once again taking the lead in this with your new wallet as a service offering. So brands and companies and apps that already have millions and millions of users can simply integrate Web3 without having to do a lot of work. Talk to us about what this wallet as a service offering is really doing for there's a lot of people that actually have their own businesses that are listening and interested in potential integrations. Give us a pitch. Fantastic. Well, actually, I'm going to use the recording of this podcast of what you just said as my pitch in the future, because I think you summed up the high level very, very well. So here's the insight. You've got billions of people using Web2 today um, coming onto a website, grabbing an app from from their phone's app store, um, trying things very fluidly. People are online. They're just not on chain yet. And the um, the traditional path of trying to bring people on chain has sort of followed the evolution of the chains themselves where, where, um, you know, the stereotypical view is you, you sit someone down and say, well, here's why Bitcoin or hard money really matters. And so you should have some of this asset and then this other asset as well and smart contracts and sort of bring them along in this sort of religious conversion. Um, and then at the end you say, now get a wallet and go use something. And I don't know if you've tried that at cocktail parties, but people usually fall asleep in the first minute. Um, you know, they're not really interested in this religious pitch. They want to get on with their day. Um, and I think what wallet as a service gives is an opportunity to flip that around and start at the end, start with something people want to use right now, where they are right now. They're engaging with your game. They're interested in your money market. Um, they, they heard they could get an interest rate, uh, on an Ave that, that, that is interesting to them and, and they want to engage with it. There they are. They're on the website. What happens now? They're in the app. What happens now? And with wallet as a service, we let it is a developer facing product. The developer of that website of that application can embed a crypto wallet, self custody crypto wallet right inside their application. So the user without going anywhere else, without leaving can say, well, I wasn't on chain before, but I want this thing in front of me. Let me get a wallet. Let me onboard perhaps some money from using Coinbase Pay uh, from Fiat, and let me start using your application all right here. And the best part is that that wallet is secured by Coinbase's in-house MPC technology, where we use for our own, much of our own key management and security for our own systems, but given to these end users, putting the self-custodial power in their hands and letting them start using the chain first. 
And then once they're using the chain, then they can use it for other things and they can find out what makes it so great. Um, maybe they'll join our tribe, but let's get them using the chain first. Let's get a million wallets out there. Let's get a hundred million wallets out there. That's the real vision behind wallet as a service. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi video lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording, Recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y video lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y video lock. Ufe video lock. Get complete control over your front door. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think it's a great vision to finally have that kind of gray area between a fully custodied wallet on an exchange and the self-hosted wallets or a cold wallet that, you know, the more experienced users will eventually get to. You know, yep. as we say in this industry, not your keys, not your crypto. But that's been the biggest barrier to entry, in my opinion. There's nothing more daunting than saying, OK, try this new technology. Now write down these 12 words write them down again in the correct order right. and spend, you know, 20 minutes through the setup process. And by right. the way, if you lose these, your life is over. Yep. It's best uh, if you put them on steel. Yeah. Don't trust a safe deposit box. I mean, yeah. if someone it, came to me with this pitch cold, I, I nod and smile and think, how do I get away from this person? Right. And yeah, exactly. I get that. I get that. And so providing something that has many or most of the same safety characteristics. I can go deep into the technical details, but the take-home message is we're trying to square that circle, give you true self-custody, but with a more gentle curve of how you onboard, how you'd recover the keys, 
um, mm-hmm. while still really empowering you and putting you in the driver's seat. And that's what we're trying to achieve here. And is this just something that, you know, the average Web2 user can log in with their email and password the way they're used to and then have access to their crypto wallet? Yeah. So we're exploring a bunch of different authentication um, mechanisms to and, and also seeing what the market is telling us. So we've gone to market in a um, public preview of this on testnet just within the last couple of weeks. We've had several hundred developers sign up. You can go to cloud.coinbase.com if you're a developer, grab this uh, a free account, provision some wallets, start playing around with it in your app, see how the APIs work. And we're going to see what the market is telling us about, well, what sort of logins do our users want? What sort of M of N um, key shard management really makes sense for them? So it is still fairly early for us, but I think in the fullness of time, we're going to cover pretty much the whole range that we can while still staying in in a true self-custodial regime at the end of the day. What do you think some of the biggest problems are in terms of security in this space? Is it the fact that there's so many, let's be honest, junior developers that are out there making amazing innovations, but they don't have the experience to properly secure them? Or... Is Solidity just uh, an insecure language and we shouldn't be building DeFi in it to begin with? How do we really think of the security problems we've seen in DeFi that have resulted in billions of dollars hacked, likely just because of one or two characters being out of place or something you know really simple that even audits miss sometimes? What's the deal here? Yeah, it's a really, really important and really Deep question, I think, um, and I've got. A, <laughs> we could have a whole podcast just on this. Um, uh, well, you can take over the rest of the podcast <laughs> with these thoughts if you'd like, because this is something that I've been wondering about for a really long time, and I have these conversations with many, many people that really don't have an answer. But if you do, yeah. the rest of the time's yours. Well, I, I've got, I've got maybe part of the answer, um, and and no silver bullet solution certainly, but part of the diagnosis, let's say. So one thing that I think is pretty clear is you know, self-contracts or sorry, smart contracts are operating in a very PVP environment, dark forest, you know, whatever metaphors you like to use. So if there is a flaw, if there is an exploit to be done, there's an incredibly strong incentive to find it and it will eventually be found. Um, in addition, the, the fundamental one piece of the fundamental magic of these censorship resistant sort of instant settlement chains like Ethereum mainnet is um, there's no take backs, right? And so the failure modes are incredibly, um, can be incredibly sharp, incredibly harsh. And this puts you in a, an engineering regime that frankly, of only a very, very, very small minority of software engineers, let's say, are used to or have dealt with before. It's much more akin to writing aeronautical control systems to run your passenger jet than it is to writing um, your front end code for Gmail or Google Maps or TikTok or something like that, where bugs are annoying. They might lose you money. Um, you know, they'll lose you money until you fix the bug, but the failure modes are still fairly gentle. And in this sharp failure mode, hyper adversarial environment, smart contracts, the level of paranoia, of rigor, of testing, of things like formal verification, like these techniques that you'd use on an aeronautical control system, they feel much more appropriate. 
And it's just less of a natural muscle for the vast majority of software developers out there. It's not something that people can't learn, but it's not the starting place for many devs that come from other disciplines. And so I feel like that's a set of techniques of cultural norms of tooling that we're still developing, frankly, as an industry. Um, and we should be honest about that. I think it's, it's very easy to get caught up in the excitement of where all this could go. And that's important because it keeps us going, but we also have to be really clear eyed and honest with ourselves and our users about well, where is the industry now? Um, how much risk should you take on and in what ways? So that's on the developer side. And then on the user side, and, and I never want to blame the victim, um, but I think that part of the difficulty as people are encountering this space for the first time is it all feels like magic. And part of what you and I learn as you, as you soak in this space for years as a user, as, a, as, a, as someone who's working in this space, is what's the real magic and what's the BS magic? Um, but as a new user on day one, it's really hard to distinguish, right? Someone hands you this technology and say, you can send any value to anyone across the globe, um, knowing only their address with instant settlement in like seconds. That's magic. Nothing else works that way. Um, what else could this do? I say, oh, well, you know, you can, you can engage with these DeFi protocols and you know, get these interest rates on this money market or, you know, do this lending or whatever, right? That also seems kind of magical. What else, right? And then someone else comes to you and says, free money. You say, well, that feels magical too, but all this other stuff felt magical as well. Maybe I should ape into this. Um, and then you get smacked in the face. And I think that um, trying to educate users and, and just give them a sort of safe and gradual way on so where they're not getting FOMO, they're not um, getting ahead of themselves um, and, and getting that tuned intuition of, um, what new things are unlocked by this versus what is just people selling the same snake oil they were selling in ancient Egypt, right? Just now on a blockchain, um, that, that's, that's a tricky thing. And, and that user education piece is something we think about a lot at Coinbase as well. Yeah. Um, it is really unfortunate. You know, just before we started this recording, I put out a tweet talking about the five most brainwashed communities. And, you know, I said, you know, it's not that you're not going to make it, but what you're holding isn't going to make it. And it goes back to the whole magic of, of all that. You know, there are these coins that have trillions or quadrillions of tokens in supply. And people think, well, if this ever hits a penny or a dollar, you know, I'm going to be rich, rich beyond my wildest dreams. But if you do some basic math and understand how the tokenomics of the space really work, you realize it's an impossibility. And if you didn't get in the first week of this stuff, like any Ponzi scheme, you're going to be the one left holding the bag. So we try and educate people the best we can to make responsible choices. And there's still plenty of upside to make generational wealth by investing in good things that have proven themselves over time. You're still early, but you're not going to be early for much longer because of things like this wallet as a service movement and a lot of other things coming from all sides trying to onboard the next billion users into Web3, which I think is going to happen in the next couple of years. Yeah. But you mentioned, you know, like with Ethereum, you know, there's no takebacks. And that's been an issue as well in confidence in this space. But you've got something now called the Coinbase Recovery Tool. What does it do and what doesn't it do? Yeah, great question. So this is something we're, we're really happy that we've been able to roll out this year. 
um, there's been a problem for a while um, that users have uh, told us about and that, that we've really sympathized with, which is Coinbase supports many um, L1 assets, uh, many sort of base level assets, and also many tokens like ERC20s on blockchains like Ethereum. But we don't support all of them. There's hundreds of thousands out there, and you can create a new one yourself in, in three minutes. And Coinbase supports only a tiny, tiny, tiny minority of all the digital assets that exist. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. Um, and over time, um, people have occasionally said, oh, I've got this digital asset and Coinbase can receive, let's say, Ethereum over at this address. I want to store this on Coinbase as well. Um, and they've tried to send or they've sent that digital asset that we don't support to a Coinbase controlled address um, that we would use to receive Ethereum or some supported asset. And that unfortunately has left these assets in limbo until the release of this tool. So with this tool, you can now log into your Coinbase account, uh, paste in the transaction ID of the transaction where you sent the unsupported asset, uh, sign a message with your self-custodial wallet to say, hey, I'm me, I really control this wallet, push a button and we will send that unsupported asset, all those tokens back to you um, and you can recover that asset and, and go about your, your merry way. And we're really proud to say that um, since launching this tool earlier this year, we've had tens of thousands of people recover more than $150 million worth of assets that they had accidentally sent to these Coinbase addresses that had been um, sitting there. And going forward, um, we are working to add support for additional networks. So we've got Ethereum mainnet launched now, and that's launched to 100% of Coinbase retail users. And we know that there are some of these tokens that are in this limbo state on other networks as well. We've, we've heard you that this is a tool you really appreciate. We're trying to support it um, as broadly as we can going forward. But for now, we've got this support on Ethereum mainnet. Well, thank you so much for building that tool. I have $150 million worth of value. Thanks you greatly for it. And counting, I guess. Um, yes. I just had a thought while we were you know chatting, and it's not on the approved sheet so forgive me if uh you can't answer it you know that's fine we can always edit it out later but i was thinking how cool it would be if there was a decentralized exchange built on base that was essentially mirroring the centralized coinbase exchange is that something as an idea that sounds exciting or are there a lot of reasons why you might think that would never happen yeah, you know, I think it is a really interesting idea, and the complexity, as usual, is in the um, uh, regulatory relationship there. So it's not something I, I, I have the best job in the world um, because I get to work on all of this on-chain, forward-looking stuff, and um, I have deep, deep respect and appreciation for our trading business, our exchange. It's where we make the vast majority of our money today. And also, it's not really my domain. I know there's a ton of regulatory complexity there of where liquidity can and can't express. So I don't want to um, overspeak or overshare there. But I, I think that let me zoom out from that particular idea of some sort of exchange that mirrors a Coinbase exchange but is on, on chain. Like, I, I really don't have an opinion on that, nothing to say about that in particular. But I do think you've hit on something um, that is a great general point for Coinbase. One of the things, one of the reasons that we created Base in the first place is as we look product by product at what we do and ask the question, should part of this or all of this actually be on chain? Would this be a better product if this was on chain? 
with surprising frequency, the answer is yes. Oh, that would be amazing. When can we start? Which change should we build on? Right. And one of the reasons why we got conviction that now's the time for us to create base is we said we need a natural home for Coinbase's products or parts of Coinbase's products to live on chain. And we've found as we've gone product by product and asked this question internally that it's an unlock and a superpower for us. Um, and you're going to see a bunch more on-chain features and products rolled out from Coinbase over the coming year. And I think if, if we're guessing right about where the world is going, we're just a bit ahead of the curve. And you'll see every large and small software maker over the next 10 years have an on-chain component from Microsoft or Adobe down to you know, a two-person startup. You know, one of the rallying cries we have internally is we want to let people build on-chain by default. And one of the things we say a lot externally is, hey, on-chain is the new online, right? Catch this wave. And so whether it's our exchange or other parts of our business, I do think you'll see us moving more and more on-chain over time. And I couldn't be more excited about that. Do you have any plans that you can talk about as far as digital identity goes? Because that's one of the other missing pieces is to be able to have an on-chain credit um, and kind of be able to do some more things that you really just can't do in a totally anonymous environment. Yeah, it's a great insight. Nothing specific that I can talk about today, but I will say I, I agree with your insight and your observation. It is something that we think about a lot. Um, when I think about the delta between DeFi and traditional finance, for example, and some notion of identity, some notion of creditworthiness, um, some connection to the, the other systems in the world, like the legal systems that exist, um, it is missing today. And Coinbase, as, as, a, as an entity that has a lot of user relationships um, and a lot of user trust, I think that there is a place for us to play in that space um, and try to hopefully help push that space forward. The exact form that that will take, you know, we're still noodling on. But when I look ahead 10 years or, you know, even two years um, and say, how does DeFi let me open a laundromat, right? Like, how does it fulfill that, that function of TradFi or compete with that function in TradFi? Um, I think... You're not, you don't want to restrict laundromat openings just to people who have a big enough stack of ETH to collateralize <laughs> to take out a stablecoin loan and buy a bunch of washing machines, right? Like we do need to incorporate more and more connections between the on-chain world and the rest of the world. And I do think that in general, whether it's identity, fiat rails, other things like that, Coinbase is perfectly positioned and, and in the West, I think uniquely positioned to do more and more of that off-chain, on-chain bridging. And that's just going to add so much more utility to all on-chain players, including Coinbase. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, I, I do think that Coinbase will have 100 million users, uh, potentially a billion. And being able to simply use that the way we use OAuth to log into Web2 websites today, whether it's using Facebook or Google as our simple identifier, I mean, just that one little piece of the puzzle has made website management and usability so much easier. I remember in the early 2000s, I'd stumble on all kinds of interesting websites and, oh, well, you got to sign up and make an account to view this content. And I would just simply leave because the last thing I wanted to do is give my email and password to another company, trust them with this information, have to remember it. Uh, and it was just a nightmare. 
And then well once said. I could just simply log in with Google or Facebook, it's like, great. It opened up 90% more things to me. Yep. Just because I, I didn't have to have that barrier. I, I that's ac- absolutely agree. And I think there's a next step in that evolution where instead of saying, well, Google or Facebook or whoever, they know everything about me and every website I've ever logged into and, you know, but at least I just have to think really hard about how much I trust just Google. Um, and that is a step up from a million passwords and a billion websites that, you know, that I've got a direct relationship with, but there's a step beyond that, which is nobody knows everything about me, right? My, my wallet has zero knowledge information that I can share in a faceted way with, you know, exactly what this website needs to do just what I want them to do with me. I want to buy some alcohol and prove that I'm over 21 and they don't really need to know anything else about me. Um, and I think that once we're living in that world, um, we'll look back on even today's regime and say, oh, well, wasn't that silly? Yeah, exactly. And being able to have a Coinbase account and connect it to any other financial app simply would let that financial app know, okay, this user is not on the OFAC sanctioned list. He's KYC'd. He's been given the thumbs up. Uh, he's good to go or she's good to go. And that's all they need to know. Yeah, and I think there's the some really exciting possibilities there for both Coinbase and, and the space at large. And and for something like this to work, I think, um, you know, if if Coinbase creates a sixth Disneyland that everybody's stuck in, please have me back on your podcast and yell at me, right? Like that is not the destination. <laughs> we think we've got a lot of value we can add, but I but this is all ultimately about empowering the end user, letting them own and control their own digital destiny. If we're providing great identity services or anything else, awesome. But we've got to earn that spot and keep re-earning it and improving products. Um, And the user's ultimately in the driver's seat. It could choose a different identity provider in this world, things like that. So I think that that is, that is one of the really exciting things, right? It's, um, it's harder work uh, to, to not, have your users locked into a permanent network effect or whatever. Um, but I think that that's ultimately to the great benefit of the world at large, um, keeping us all honestly competing for end users business instead of just seeing, well, who can we, who can we, uh, entice to live full time in our Disneyland? Yeah. Uh, I love that. I really do. You know, we're building a trustless network in web three, a trustless world economy, but we still need some trusted bridges and on ramps. And people we can trust to do those things the right way. So, Will, thank you very much for being one of those people and continuing to do things the right way. Um, I'm happy to be a Coinbase user and uh, supporter and all that stuff. You know, it's one of the very, very few things that we actually recommend to our community. Uh, it's literally less than one hand of the exchanges that we recommend that we consider safe. So, thank you so much for all your role in uh, being one of those things. And before we let you go, give us one last word of advice for any developers that are interested in entering the crypto space. What should they know before they start building apps or platforms or anything else that users are going to be interfacing with? Yeah, so for developers entering the crypto space, I think I'd go back to what I was saying before. Um, You've got to put on a different tint of goggles almost in how you see things, the level of um, how adversarial the environment can be. Um, how sharp the edges are. I would say actually one fun exercise if you're a new smart contract developer is go back and read postmortems from the last five or 10 big splashy 
DeFi hacks. And it's not going to give you a comprehensive knowledge of everything that can go wrong, but just having those concrete examples in your head and saying, oh my gosh, this kind of reentrancy attack or whatever it may be, this is the sort of environment that I'm playing in here. It's not what I'm used to. Hopefully it'll be exciting, but you'll also start feeling that responsibility that you have and the different set of instincts and tools that you might need to reach for. Well said. Thank you so much, Will. And where can we follow you for some more of your great insights? Thank you so much uh, for having me. First of all, you can find me uh, on Twitter at, um, I believe it's Will Robinson 23. I'm a late comer to Twitter. I'm not very social, um, but you can find me there. And um, really love to have engaged in the conversation with any of your listeners. Thank you so much. Well, we look forward to having you back on anytime you've got a new announcement to make or you just want to come here and rant about the world of crypto with us. <laughs> Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And we'll be back with another great episode of the Crypto 101 podcast later this week. Thanks for tuning in. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.